Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to the episode of Hard Foul Radio. Appreciate y'all for tuning in on this wonderful Wednesday. I think it's Wednesday. I'm telling myself it's Wednesday. Yep, it's Wednesday. How are we all doing? I'm, I'm really thrown off by the fact of I watched a football game, like a professional football game, on a Tuesday, and it's, you know, it's, it's part of 2020. What are you going to do? Like, everything's weird. Everything's off schedule. Nothing is normal this year. And so we all got to watch Tuesday Night Football. And it was a great showing if you're a Titans fan and if you're a Bills fan, don't worry. You got this. All right. But once again, appreciate anybody that is tuning in today. Thank you for spending some time with me. Thank you for giving me some of your time. Appreciate you, appreciate you, appreciate you. And let's get started. Let's start with the Tuesday night football game we saw last night. Now, I could come in here and tell you that this was such an odd game, you could argue that you should just throw it out. Like, it doesn't count. Titans haven't played in two weeks. The Bills have had their schedule altered. They're playing on a Tuesday. Guys just aren't used to that. There's so many different factors. I could just come in here and say, hey, you know what? Scrap the game. And that's a fair. And there's a fair case to be made for that. If you are the Bills, this is kind of your first test, your first real test of being a good team. Like, when you go through the levels of how good and how great you can be, one of the things you got to learn is when we play bad, how do we react? How do we bounce back from this? And how do you bounce back from being, beating a great team? So the Buffalo is going to have a chance because they have a bunch of great teams coming up. They got a Seattle coming up soon. They got Kansas City coming up soon. So they're going to see how they stack up. But they have to learn how to bounce back from a disappointing performance. Which if you're the Bills, you're right. It's a Tuesday night game. Schedule's been altered. It's weird to play right now. Throw it out the window. We're still 4-1. and one. Argue we're still the best team in the division. Now, if you were the Titans... And that's where we're going to really start here. We finally have one. And this is, for it to be Mike Vrabel, <laughs> like, it's it's funny to me, right? We have all these New England assistant coaches. And I have made the case over the years, like, Bill Belichick is a genius, but he's not a great teacher. And that's where you see a lot of his assistants. They don't do so well. Compared to Andy Reid, Andy Reid has a bunch of assistants who have gone on to be great head coaches. I mean, you could argue the two best teams in the AFC, that's Andy Reid and one of his former assistants. Uh, the Eagles, Doug Peterson, one of Andy Reid's former assistants, got a Super Bowl. Like, so Andy Reid, great teacher, Belichick's just a genius, not such a great teacher. This is why you have Charlie Weiss, didn't do so well. Eric Mangini, didn't do so well. Um, Matt Patricia in Detroit right now, not doing so well. Then you've got Mike Vrabel in Tennessee. And Mike Vrabel in Tennessee, now, we don't want to admit it because maybe the guys we don't look at in the same light. Well, what is different about this Tennessee Titans team and that first version of the Patriots dynasty? Think about it. In between 2000 and 2003, that very first, because Patriots essentially have like three different dynasty teams in the way that they spread out all of the Super Bowls. That first part of it, though, was young Tom Brady, a Corey Dillon, and a ground-controlled offense, and a great defense. Okay. 
Tom Brady, what made what was Tom Brady like his first couple years? Well, he didn't make a ton of mistakes, was good off play action, and could do just enough that he was above a game manager, but he wasn't outright winning games for you. What's Ryan Tannehill do right now? Oh, Ryan Tannehill has the highest passer rating in the NFL. His last, I believe it is now his last 13 games. Highest pass rating in the NFL last 13 games off play action. Sounds a lot like young Tom Brady. Ryan Tannehill last night. A couple of touchdown passes. Not insane amount of yards. Finished under 300. Didn't have to over 300 yards passing. Didn't throw the ball all over the field. But he ran for a touchdown. He threw a couple touchdowns. He was more than a game manager. But he didn't overtly win them the game. Tennessee's defense. You could argue maybe it's not as great as those Super Bowl New England teams. But I could argue that's just a matter of, well, they don't have a Ty Law or Richard Seymour. The same way their running game, which is very similar to that New England style, is better than what New England had because they have Derrick Henry versus New England having Corey Dillon and others. Sometimes you just look at guys, and I'm sorry, um, and even if you look at the receiving core, the receiving core is good tight end play, not a superstar wide receiver. I mean, Deion Branch was a Super Bowl MVP for the Patriots. Deion Branch isn't a Hall of Fame receiver. He's not a multiple Pro Bowl, All-Pro receiver. They just had good receivers. And ironically enough, the other thing they both share in common, they both have Mike Vrabel. New England had him as a linebacker slash spare tight end. And Tennessee has him as a head coach. And Mike's figured it out. This is what we always compliment Bill Belichick on. Is that Bill goes into every single game. And as a fan, it seems like it's like nonsense to us, right? We're thinking it should be easy for a coach to go into a game and have a new game plan for each team. You got a whole week to practice, a whole, te- a whole week to prep. Like, you're going into these games... You should adapt a strategy for that specific team. And yet we only credit Bill with doing that. Bill has a generic outline of like, all right, we do this, so we do this, so we do this well, and we're going to take away that, and we're going to take away that. Mike Vrabel has established with his team, this is what we're good at, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to try to take away that. Buffalo last night could not throw deep. What have we been talking? What's been the narrative on Buffalo the whole first four weeks? Josh Allen's amazing, and Josh Allen has still played great. Uh, one, through two interceptions last night. One of them you could argue is not his fault. The receiver dropped the pass, but they couldn't throw deep on him. They couldn't throw deep. And if you look at even Tennessee's offensive stats, they didn't. Derrick Henry went 19 carries for 57 yards. We all, we all saw the incredible stiff farm put on Josh Norman. But Derek Henry didn't have an explosive game. No receiver had an insane game. But they were smart. They were sound. They were buttoned up. The Titans know who they are. And that's one of the most dangerous teams in football. They know exactly who they are. They know how to prep. They know how to come prepared every day. And outside of reasons that... Now you could question... Some of their decisions off the field with the supposed them practicing even when they weren't supposed to due to uh, the COVID regulations. This Titans team, 
and I'll be the first one to say I was wrong. I did not think they were going to repeat. I thought this was a caught fire in a moment, and that's what took them through the latter half of last season. But now with everything, like I just I was not a believer in Tannehill, who we have to start giving Tannehill his credit too. Because if you look over um, in New York with Adam Gase, Adam Gase is going to be fired. Okay. Adam Gase in Miami had a winning record with Ryan Tannehill. And that was one of the things that helped him get this Jets job. Well, he had a winning record when he had a quarterback. He must be good. Peyton Manning likes him. Uh, had a winning record with a young quarterback. He must, do, he must be doing good. Well, now, if you look at them where they stand now, was it more Adam Gase? Was it more Ryan Tannehill? We got to start giving Ryan Tannehill the credit, his credit. We got to start giving the Tennessee Titans their credit. Mike Vrabel is looking like the first Bill Belichick assistant that is going to make it work and make it work long term. They even look like each other on the sideline. If you think about it, like if you look at their mannerisms, they do a lot of similarities on the sideline. He has brought New England to the country. Now, shifting from the NFL and uh, to the NBA, and I don't want to spoil anyone's parade, so if you're still celebrating the Lakers parade, you're still celebrating the fact they won a title, uh, keep celebrating. You just don't want to listen to this segment. You can mute me. You can skip me. Do whatever you need to do. You just don't want to listen right now. So going into next year, and this is kind of how the NBA works, right? Um, you've either got the dynasty, you've got the big free agent move, or that's it. But that is that is how we know the NBA to be the last 10 years. We have the big free agent move, LeBron to Miami, LeBron to Cleveland, Kevin Durant to Golden State, Kawhi Leonard to L.A., or we have the dynasty. This is also could be the Miami Heat, the Spurs are in there, the Warriors are obviously in there. That's what the NBA is. It's either what's the big free agent move or who's the dynasty. But we all have seemed to forgotten, or at least the common NBA fan has seemed to forgotten, there is still a current dynasty. They just got decimated by injuries and weren't available to play this season. The Golden State Warriors are still the dynasty of the NBA. And when they come back starting next season, their starting lineup, mind you, now, there is no Kevin Durant. And that that is that 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 is an impact. There is no Kevin Durant. But their starting five is still Steph Curry, the greatest shooter we've ever seen, top ten player of all time. Klay Thompson, maybe the second greatest shooter we've ever seen, the best two guard in the league. Andrew Wiggins, who, however you might feel about him, gets to be a third or fourth option. Draymond Green, a future Hall of Famer. You all keep telling me that. A defensive defensive stalwart, future Hall of Famer. And the number two overall pick, who, if I'm running Golden State, I'm going the direction of James Wiseman, but could understand if they go either, if they get LaMelo Ball, then who, know, then who knows? Then it's just throw your hands up. Right? Like, the East is wide open. 
the East, you could argue there is six teams that feel like they could be the number one team in the East. The Heat just made the NBA Finals. Milwaukee was the number one seed. Philly just got Doc Rivers. Boston's young core, another year experience. Jason Tatum played great in the playoffs. Toronto just won a title two years ago. Oh, yeah. And the Nets have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving coming back to play next season. The East feels wide open. Six teams that are like, yeah, we could be the number one seed. And I wouldn't be shocked if any of them were the number one seed. But in the West, and the overall grand scheme of the playoffs, the Warriors, whatever money you got to the side, whatever money you could afford to put up in a bet, put your money on Golden State. Like, let's understand this for a second. Do you remember watching these playoffs? What was the number one thing that you kept hearing? Three-point shooting numbers. And I've, and I've come on here multiple times and I've talked about the games. And Greg Popovich is a big believer in this. You can see who won a game or who lost the game solely off three-point shooting. Do you know why that is? Because Steph Curry changed the rules of how to win a basketball game. Let's, let's, let me ask you guys something. And you guys have all been, I've, I've heard a lot of people push back on this. There's a great debate on how great would Shaq be in today's NBA. And everyone says, well, Shaq couldn't be that great because three is more than two. And Shaq might score 30 in the paint, but if they hit 10, if they hit 13 or 14 threes, they just neutralize Shaq. Okay, let's use your logic. Anthony Davis was not the MVP of the finals, but you could argue his impact was as good as anybody. Why? Because the Heat were playing small, and Anthony Davis took advantage of a small lineup. I heard that so many times. The announcers, people on Twitter, I just everybody's like, oh my gosh, he's just eating this small Heat team alive. And the Heat, guess what they did in the, as their three-point shot was good at certain moments great in the playoffs it was only great i could argue for a game in the finals and then it was below average the remaining games do we all remember what golden state is the team that doesn't go cold from three like this is why steph and clay are in a different class of shooters than even guys houston shoots a bunch of houston shoots the most threes in the league and they go cold uh, this Lakers team's got a bunch of guys who can hit threes. KCP, Danny Green, uh, Kyle Kuzma. Uh, they have a bunch of guys. Even Rondo was arguably their best three-point shooter in the finals. But they can go cold. Steph and Clay and Wiggins. I won't include Wiggins in this. But Steph and Clay, they, they, they're called the Splash Brothers for a reason. This is still Golden State's league. Especially... In a duo format. So, if they got to run their two stars versus everybody else's two stars, and this game is still predicated on who's hitting more threes, all I'm saying is, LA, enjoy your championship parade today. Because Steph Curry is going to be on a mission next year. That's That's my last thing real quick.
we love the last two NBA Finals now have been predicated on the comeback. We lost Kawhi Leonard for a year. Kawhi Leonard came back, reminded everybody who he was. LeBron got hurt. And while I didn't buy into the narrative of revenge season, per se, LeBron came back, reminded everybody who he was. Guess who's up next? Steph Curry missed this season, and he is coming back to remind you, oh yeah, I'm the guy who breaks my own three-point records every time I step on the court. I'm in a class of my own when it comes to shooting this basketball. I'm, all, I'm, all I'm saying is LA, enjoy your title. You deserved it. You earned it. Appreciate it. But the Warriors are coming back next year. This is their league still. This is their dynasty still. This is Hard Fought Radio. We'll be back momentarily. And we are back. <clears throat> this is Hard Foul Radio. Something I'm noticing around the NFL is there is a lot of ups and downs in especially young quarterback play, right? Like old quarterbacks, older quarterbacks, I don't... I just tend to believe everybody declines. So when they start, when you have like instances like Drew Brees and everyone's like, oh my gosh, Drew Brees is like, it's going bad to worse and it's just not getting better. I saw... My, my reference is always, I saw Peyton Manning, and Peyton Manning went from an MVP to a all-pro to a, oh my gosh, I can't get the ball 10 yards down the field. Um, so I've seen drastic decline, and it hit just fast. So that th- those don't shock me as much. Those are, those, are, those are in line with my normal, right? And then you get young quarterbacks, and young quarterbacks tend to the way we judge them now, because you only really get a year, two years max, sometimes a third year if you're Sam Darnold, and even then, it's you're not really given a chance. Um, the idea of, excuse me, that most young quarterbacks just decline. They either decline or they go up. But there's actually been... A lot of inconsistent play. And by inconsistent, I want to I want to clarify here. I know that sounds like a cheap cop-out term, and it's like, oh, of course they're inconsistent. They're they're trying to learn. 
But there is moments of extreme highs, and I mean them playing like, oh yeah, I could be a Pro Bowl quarterback, lead your franchise. And moments of extreme lows of, oh yeah, I got to go call my general manager because we need to start looking at whoever the best college quarterback is. Chris Carter once said, Chris Carter, a Hall of Fame wide receiver, a former FS1 analyst, had once said that 99% of guys are system guys, including himself. He said it's very rare that you actually get a guy who you could say is not a system player. He said it sounds crazy because he's talking about even Hall of Famers. Even Hall of Fame players who he thinks are system players. Like, if they're not in the right system, they don't work. So I was thinking about that. And I think I have to tend to agree. So let's look at our young quarterbacks here, right? So let's say Patrick Mahomes is the 1%, right? He does not need a system. Even though I could argue that he does because he's got Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and a good offensive line and I could and Sammy Watkins and I could argue while he is clearly elevating them in his own right maybe you know if if I flipped him into Sean Watson and I gave him Deshaun Watson's circumstances would Mahomes be a one percenter or are we talk about Watson as a one percenter I'm just asking. I'm just asking questions. Sam Darnold in New York has moments of playing great, has moments of playing terrible, but look who he's around. What if Sam Darnold got Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill? And this is this is really where this is this, this is the game we're gonna play here. Essentially, what if? What if? And you don't get to control where you're drafted. You don't get to control your general manager. You don't get to control who's your head coach. So let's say best ideal situation, which the best ideal situation right now for a generic blank canvas is we have Kansas City. That is the best situation for a young quarterback. So I'm going to give you these young quarterbacks, and I'm going to say, do they work as a system quarterback in this system of Kansas City? So Deshaun Watson, do we think he works in Kansas City? Yeah, I think Deshaun Watson works in Kansas City. I think Deshaun Watson would be amazing in Kansas. I think Deshaun Watson would put up, if, once again, I don't want to take it away from Mahomes, because I do believe you could argue he's a, he is the one percenter, and he is he would raise anybody, but Watson is a two percenter, a three percenter. Maybe he doesn't throw 50 touchdowns in his first year starting, but I think he can get to 40. But that team? Let's put Josh Allen and Sam Darn. Let's go. Let's go division by division. Let's make this real simple for ourselves. AFC East. We got young quarterbacks: Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, and and Tua. You could even argue. Do I think Sam Darnold works? Absolutely, because all I've seen from Sam Darnold is he has no time. He's getting his head wrung off every single play. Receivers are beyond less than quality. Offensive line has been. A, not just a reshuffling of linemen, a complete overhaul twice. They have four new linemen just this year, and he's only had one guy ever go from one year to the next as a starter. 
Josh Allen. We've seen the improvement in Josh Allen in a Buffalo coaching staff that I think is good, but I don't know if they're as good as Eric Bannemi and Andy Reid. A Buffalo team that Josh Allen has now emerged into his own. Maybe he doesn't do it as fast as Mahomes, but he works. And then Tua, I'm going to say I don't know because we haven't seen Tua play professional game. Um, I'm high on Tua. I think Tua will work in the NFL, uh, but I'm going to give an undecided for this one. Let's go to the AFC West. Let's go to young quarterbacks. Does Mahomes work in the Kansas City system? Of course he's in there. Does Drew Locke work in the Kansas City system? I'm going to say undecided. We've only seen four games. We've seen what Drew Locke did at the end of last year with less talent than Mahomes has, especially offensively. Uh, Justin Herbert, yes. I I have been really impressed by what I saw to Justin Herbert, especially on Monday night. Monday night against the Saints, missing his top receiver, missing offensive linemen. I mean, and the Chargers have talent, so Justin Herbert is in a good situation himself. But he absolutely works in Kansas City. Absolutely works in Kansas City. Uh, the AFC North, uh, Lamar Jackson. Yes, even though Lamar would be probably the weirdest comparison to this because they have, um, and I'm not one of those people that are come out and saying, oh, Lamar Jackson can't throw, but Lamar's offense is clearly different than Mahomes' offense and the personnel the Chiefs currently have. But Lamar works. I'm just, and I'm not going to go through every single division here, every single young quarterback, but let's understand that a lot of these guys are system QBs. A lot of these guys are system QBs. It's just a matter of, while you don't want to take credit away from a guy who's in a good system and say, oh, well, he just got elevated by the system, but let's use context. That's all I'm asking. All right, our week five NFL power rankings. Are we ready? I know you guys are ready. So, and if I had to redo this, I've had to have a kind of an injury change of heart, but I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do, man? Um, Power rankings, NFL week five, let's get it. Number five, uh, you got to put the Titans in there. Titans are now undefeated. They dominated a Bills team who was undefeated. They know who they are. They have an identity. They look like the early 2000 Patriots. They're running the ball. They're playing good defense. They take away what you want to do. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is better than we give him credit for. He's great on play action. Um, Derrick Henry is still a monster. Uh, especially uh, that stiff arm on Josh Norman was just, he, he threw a grown man. Like, think about that. He, with one arm, threw a grown man to the, like, in air, airborne, and to the ground. Titans really good. Uh, started out giving them the credit. Now, I do think, as a Super Bowl team, they make me nervous, um, considering the other two teams they would have to beat on the way. But, remember, the Titans did beat Baltimore last year. So, right now they're my number five team. Number four, the team that I've put at number six, my last couple rankings, um, I'm officially here, the Seattle Seahawks. I And I'd really argue that number four is Russell Wilson. This is as close as you get to a LeBron James carrying the franchise in the NFL. I, I think there is Seattle has a whole bunch of problems. I think Seattle is bad on defense. I think Seattle is, and that's with two great players, Jamal Adams and Bobby Wagner. I think Seattle's receivers 
are DK Metcalf is a lot of talent, but I think the rest is it's good receivers, not so great receivers who Russell is elevating to. He might get two Pro Bowl seasons out of these guys with Metcalf and Lockett. Um, Russell Wilson's my early MVP candidate. Um, it's just it's just amazing what he's doing up there. Um, yeah, winning games. He had arguably the drive of the year against Minnesota. He, he's just amazing, man. And he's 5'11". He's just amazing. Uh, number three, the now my top team from the NFC, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I thought this was a lot similar to Seattle, where I thought, okay, it's Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind. This is probably the closest we've seen to 2011 Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but how good is the rest of the team? Are they too reliant on Aaron Rodgers? How do I feel about grading them? And this Packers team is it's great. They have a the best point differential in the league. They're leading the league in scoring. Um, their defense is better than I gave them credit for. Um, it's real defense. I don't necessarily think it's a best defense in the league, uh, but it is a legitimate defense, especially with Aaron Rodgers and the offense playing the way that they're playing. Uh, you got to give it to them. This is my number one spot in the NFC, the Green Bay Packers, number three. At number two, it's the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I, I, I don't have, this is my most boring pick for my power rankings. They're just great. They're going to keep doing what they've been doing. Uh, steamrolled Washington, steamrolled Cincinnati. They're going to steamroll every bad team they play. They're going to dominate. They're going to dominate the good teams they play. I, I said I have them going 15 and one. Yeah, they lost the one game to Kansas City. I don't see them losing in the regular season again the rest of the way. Uh, Lamar, and that's with Lamar having, to his own words, a less than stellar touchdowns or less than stellar passing season, and he's still on pace to have 30 touchdowns. So, it's the, the the Ravens are great. They're loaded everywhere. Don't let the Kansas City game fool you. This team is still one of the best teams in the AFC. And at number one, it's got to be the Chiefs. Um, I understand that they lost to Oakland, but this Chiefs team is when they want to. And this this is really my big clarification for this. Why they're number one? A they have the anomaly, which is Patrick Mahomes, the best player in the league. And they have, they are the best team in a one-game scenario. And that was exemplified when they played Baltimore. You saw the focus and the attention to detail, and they really wanted that game. And you saw the difference. And you saw, if Kansas City only wants one game to win, they're winning that one game. They were focused. Everything was great. The offensive game plan was amazing. Mahomes played great. Those receiving that receiving core, the defense is good enough. Um, I think they got elevated a little bit because they played really well against Baltimore and they played well against San Diego or uh, LA. I'm sorry, and the defense is good. It's not great, uh, but they are one game to play. They're the toughest team to beat in the NFL. Chiefs are number one for our power rankings here for Week Five. Chiefs are good, man. I, I hate to say it just because being a Bronco fan, but the Chiefs, it's just special. I don't, I'm don't. i not going to jump on the dynasty talk yet. Um, I'd like to see you win back-to-back before that conversation is really even entertained. But the Chiefs are special. The Ravens are special. A lot of good football teams. Um, this is Hard Fall Radio. We'll be back momentarily. 
Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Uh, there's so much sports to talk about, guys. I love this. Oh, my gosh. I love this shit. So, <clears throat> I love uh, rooting for the little guy. Um, none of the teams that I was naturally attached to, and I'm, and I'm sure you're not a bad person if you're a Dodgers or a Yankees fan, but you might not be a good person. Um, I, I saw a tweet the other day, and I thought it was a really underrated tweet, and it said that the uh, Cowboy fans were disappointed, and this was after Game 5 of the NBA Finals, and the Lakers lost, and the Yankees lost to Tampa Bay that same night, that's Friday night, and the tweet was, Cowboys fans are disappointed because there, there's just a lot of, if, man, it's just, it's just a lot of bandwagony. It feels like, like there's just people that really wake up and say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Cowboys Yankees Laker fan. Like, okay, sure. Like all you Laker fans are like, oh, we waited 10 years for a title. Shut up. Shut up. Like it's, it's, it's not real. It's a trust fund kid. Oh my gosh, I didn't get COVID ruined my 10 family vacations this year. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. So, because, and like I said, not a bad person if you naturally root for these teams. But, being a fan of lesser franchises, per se, um, with the exception being the NFL, Denver's not a lesser franchise. um, But, obviously, in the NBA, the Pelicans slash Hornets have never been a super successful or super well like they, they had to trade they're arguably their best team ever in 08 they had to trade away chris paul david west and tyson chandler for financial reasons and then weren't financially stable until tom benson rest in peace bought the team he's also the owner of the saints um he's now passed away and his wife is running both the teams um and in baseball it is the rockies and i am a Huge, huge, huge Tampa Bay fan. Uh, baseball is the only sport I argue that I have two teams, and that's only because, like, I'm a, I'm a Rockies fan off the fact of I, I just, being a Broncos fan first, I love Colorado, so I do, like, I root for the Nuggets, and I like the Nuggets, but I'm not consider I don't consider myself a Nuggets fan, um, but I will root for them. Um, Tampa Bay, I fell in love with just the process of how they do stuff, and... It's just it's just amazing to me. Um, so let's 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 talk about Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is up three zero, up three zero against the big bad Houston Astros. And baseball is so bad at marketing that no one cares. And I'm not just gonna bore you guys with another baseball doesn't care, baseball doesn't market well story. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a I'm gonna do you one better. My girlfriend is a big Dodgers fan. She's one of those people. The Dodgers are down 2-0 to the Atlanta Braves. I am now rooting for the LA Dodgers to come back and win four of the next five games. And why is that? Because I'm rooting for the LA Dodgers to get it to the world, to make it to the World Series, just to lose to Tampa Bay. I am one of those people. I love the underdog story, and I love the process of what they've done, which has taken Moneyball and made it something so much bigger. That in one playoff run, this Tampa Bay team that is now 
this this system and culture that is now 13 years in the make 12 year, 12 13 years in the making that has lost multiple hall of fame players and in baseball is probably not hall of fame players and um <laughs> has lost multiple perennial all-star arguably best at their position players has lost how many starting pitchers has lost how many people their front office has lost their manager who was iconic with the franchise in one postseason one postseason will have gone through the Yankees notoriously the biggest payroll in baseball the Astros one of the biggest payrolls and the quote-unquote villains of MLB right now and will have gone through the Dodgers also one of the biggest payrolls in baseball. And if you want vindication to a process and to just go to go steps one through ten and for it to work, when you have no business being there due to your financial standings, do you guys understand this is the kid who gets into Harvard solely off grades, no money or connections attached. This is the kid who makes it whose moms literally cannot express this. This is the kid who makes it, whose mom's a crack core and the dad's selling the crack. They have no business being there. They were an expansion team who expedited their own process and committed to something 13 years ago that still works and teams are still trying to copy, but they can't. They're up 3-0 on the villains of baseball, and no one cares. I'm not saying the Braves won't be a good opponent. I'm just saying this Rays team is special. I'm saying this Rays organization is special. I'm saying this process is special, and you better start paying attention to it, damn it. That's my rant. We're going to close today's shows up with um, it's something that I've done before in the past, and I want to get back into a habit of, um, but until really the last couple months of this year, my schedule's all over the fucking place. So we're just, we're, we're trying to do the bets that we can here as far as getting these consistent segments out and certain segments out on repeat. Uh, and that is <clears throat> only something I would understand. And today's only something I would understand is the one position in sports that I'm truly jaded about. Right, I came in here on Monday or on Tuesday. I'm sorry, and talked about appreciating. Which, sorry for that echoey mess. Um, didn't have enough time to go through and fix that and re-record, and it was already too late. And but that'll never happen again. So, I came in here, <clears throat> excuse me, on Tuesday and talked about just appreciate the fact the NBA went from Mike to Kobe to LeBron, and just appreciate the greatness. Just really sit back and appreciate it. We don't get to do that enough. Um. But there is a position in sports that I have a lot of trouble appreciating now. <clears throat> so if you're my age, or close to my age, and you got to watch football in the 2000s slash late 2010s, more so the 2000s though, late 2000s, I argue we got to see the two greatest players ever at a position who both revolutionized that position at the same exact time. Now, 
If you're older than me, you're going to argue this point. And that's fine. If you're older than me, you're going to argue that Ronnie Lott is probably the greatest safety of all time. And I'm not mad at that opinion. That's a very fair opinion. Got multiple Super Bowls. He's a, I believe he won a defensive player of the year. Um, was on one of the, he was the sole defining factor of a dynasty 49ers team on defense. But he's not as good as Ed Reed or Troy Palomalo. Like, I just want you guys to understand this for a second. If you got to watch Ed Reed or Troy Palomalo in real time, it was hard to comprehend what they were doing. Because they both, at the same time, revolutionized a position at its highest level for a decade. Troy Palomalu was jumping over the line of scrimmage. He was playing in coverage. He was, he was, if you don't remember those early, two, those late 2000 Steelers defenses, the Dick LeBeau defenses that were legendary, that were consistently only letting guys get, if you got two touchdowns on them, that was a good day. And it was built on confusion, and you didn't know where this guy was going to be, didn't know where this guy was going to be, and I call bullshit. It was based on the fact Troy Polamalu was that damn good. The Ravens, during that same time period, they were great. You got two touchdowns, great day. Now, the Ravens obviously also had Ray Lewis. But if you saw what Ed Reed did to guys, oh my gosh. Peyton Manning is arguably the greatest regular season quarterback we've ever seen. And he couldn't figure out Ed Reed. You got, I just, I just, I encourage and implore all of you. Implore all of you. If you are a fan of football in any form, go watch Ed Reed and Troy Polamalu highlights. Because there's a lot of really good safeties in the league today. There's a lot of really good Jamal Adams, Harrison Smith, um, there's there's a lot of really Derwin James on the Chargers, Justin Simmons in Denver. There's a lot of great safeties. They're not them. They're not them. And this is the only position that I'm that jaded about that these two guys were that much better than everybody else who's come before and will come after. That it's hard to appreciate great safety play. Like there's receivers who you could argue, oh well, if you got to see Randy Moss and you got to see Calvin Johnson, you got to see just it was different. But then I look at, um, Jamal, speaking of safeties, Jamal Adams just said DK Metcalf is this this era's Calvin. And I'm like, yeah, I can see that. They're both built in their, their, their body style and their speed and their athleticism. It's, it's all crazy. I can, see how you get, I can see how you get to that. I'm not mad at that. Okay. But there is no... This generation's Ed Reed. There is no this generation's Troy Polamalu. Those guys were different. Explicitly different. Emphasis on explicitly. I can't watch safeties anymore, you guys. I'm sorry. I've watched the two best safeties to ever play the game of football. And so I'm jaded. What can I tell you? Appreciate everybody that gave me their time. Um, we're, we're, we're settling here for pretty consistent 45 minutes. That's about what I'm doing here. Um, six segments, 45 minutes. That's kind of my goal. And 
Um, I'm enjoying that. I love recording. I love coming in and getting to talk to everybody. I am seeing a... Um, there's more people staying engaged. There's more people listening later into the episodes. I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that. Um, this is my dream to be able to financially support myself off this. So I appreciate everybody who's been a part of this. I appreciate anybody that's subscribed to the YouTube channels. Go follow the social medias above my head here at italklot9080, Hardfound Network on Instagram, Hardfound on Facebook. Appreciate however you are listening, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor. However you decide to share uh, this experience with me, I appreciate you. Um, And we will be back tomorrow. Thank you guys so much.